Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Time now for the DenverSports.com front page. Stop what you're doing and listen. Taking a look at the top stories in Denver sports taken from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. What in the name of Dan Issel? With today's DenverSports.com front page, here's Schlereth and Evans. Start with Andrew Mason, our senior Bronco writer, who is uh, on the ground in Indy, providing a great content at DenverSports.com. And he writes, even at a press conference, Sean Payton sends a message to Broncos country. And I'm so glad that Mace wrote about this because as I was as I was watching and listening to the press conference, I was taking notes and I, I, I know some of the same things. One, Nathaniel Hackett was always late to a press conference. Always late. Sean Payton was nine minutes early. To his press conference yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you always get during a press conference, one of the Broncos PR guys like a Patrick Smythe will say, all right, two more questions. A sign that it's time to wrap things up. And right. the coach always is like, you know, can't wait to get out of there. He said it yesterday. Two more questions. And Sean just looked over and go, we're okay. I'll wrap this up when, when, I'm, ready. when I'm ready. Yeah. And I went, oh, little things, little things. But, oh. A man in charge, an adult in charge. I, we're we're going to, uh, right. I don't know how you guys have done it here before, but this is the way I'm going to do it. So right. I'm going to take more questions. Yes, I'm yes, enjoying this. Yes, I'm going to take more right. questions. Guess who's in charge here? Not you guys. I'm in charge. I love that. I love that aspect. I love, I love the interaction. Um, and I just love the kind of the raw, what feels to be, and I just know this because I know Sean, the kind of the raw honesty. Here, Here's what it is. Here's what I'm thinking. You guys can do whatever you want to do with it, but that's that's the reality of the situation. I love him being in charge, and I love him being on time, by the way. And you know what I think about being late. Oh, you're never late. When you hey, when you show up late, you're saying to the people that you if you're habitually late, you're basically saying my time's more valuable than your time. How egotistical, what an egotistical turd you are. I'm talking to you on I-25 right now. If you're always late everywhere you go, you're a turd. An absolute turd who thinks that you are more valuable than everybody else. And I I have no time for that garbage. Apparently, uh, one of our texters doesn't like me, you, saying nice things about Sean Payton. Uh, is it D-Mac? No, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. What is his problem? He hates Sean Payton. He hates Sean Payton. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Loved Nathaniel Hackett, but hates uh, Sean Payton. Uh, so this one, this one comes in. Well, enough of Bronco propaganda. Time for Raider Nation Radio later, guys. Great, you got Sean Payton. After another losing season, maybe then you'll start to believe that until you dig up my old Raider hat in the stadium parking lot, you'll never win again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that what? Is, it, that, is that that's what's happened the last six years? Ooh, there's a Raider hat oh. buried. Didn't the didn't the uh, Guys, building was it? It was the Raider Stadium, right? Wasn't? It? Isn't there a? Uh, who, who, or no? Was it? Or 
It was one. What stadium was it? Somebody help me out with that. It was a stadium that uh, uh, supposedly uh, the, the construction oh. worker buried a, a Bronco jersey in it. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think was, that, that? was that the Rangers Well, there was stadium? the old metal ends where they buried Jimmy Hoffa, I think. Sure. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the Raider, we're going to go to the Raiders radio. Good luck. What are you guys talking about over there? What are you guys going to talk about over there? Stidham? Yeah. Yeah. Stidham time. How are we going to get Stidham? That's right. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. That one's taken. Yeah, you guys can't. You guys got to come up with your believe own. Believe in it. Believe in it. Believe in well, it. When was the last time the Raiders... I, come on. I gave you that. The, remember the timeline thing I had on the Raiders? Oh, like, yeah. Dude, they... Uh, come on. Let's not even give them time. I'm, right. Let's be... Hey, enjoy that. Enjoy you guys talking about whatever it is you talk about and, and listening to Hurricane Josh tear down your... Do your job! More from Mace at All the right. Combine at denversports.com. Four things we learned... About Sean Payton's new coaching staff. Okay. One, some youth on the staff is how Payton's mentor likes it. I told you when this whole thing was going down, the Parcells influence is going to shine through with this Mm -hmm. guy. And he referenced Parcells three different times during his press conference yesterday, saying that, quote, Parcells wanted to be around younger coaches. He talked about it all the time. So I like being around younger coaches now. Folks, I know that I come across as being... Uh, in the tank for Sean Payton. Fine. Guilty as charged. After watching what I've watched around here the last six years, the fact that there's somebody with a proven resume in charge makes me so happy. And the fact that he's a Parcells disciple, having had a chance to cover Parcells for a couple of years, I love Parcells. I love Parcells. Mm-hmm. I, love, I, I love the way he coaches. I love how he leads. And if there's going to be a heavy Parcells influence with, with Sean Payton, I'm already feeling it. Great. So anyway, what about, because we are, we're seeing a, a coaching staff that is layered. ton of experience at the top, but a lot of youth and inexperience, hunger, beneath that. Sure, because it gives you an opportunity to groom a younger a, a younger base. It's kind of like having young guys and doing a good job of, of building a room, whether it's a receiver room or whether it's a O-line room or a D-line room. Having veteran players that really understand the game, the nuance of the game, that can pass that along to the younger players that come up and to watch those younger players grow. I'm going to go back to my my day. Trevor Price, when he first came in, there are a lot of people thought he was going to be a bust. Yeah. He wasn't dressing for games. I mean, they they were abusing him, beating him up, trying to teach him how to play the game. He became pretty damn good, man. That dude was a that dude was a problem, and you know, I got to witness it. I, I get to watch watch him grow up in in front of all of us. Um, it's important to have that kind of that growth and to have young guys and to have their energy and you know and, and their questions and sometimes even asking questions. You're like, wow, that's a like that's a really solid thought out like question. Here's why we do it, but maybe there's a better way to do it. Like that stuff challenges you as a coach or you as an older player as well. You know, I've laughed since Davis Webb was hired as the quarterback coach. People are criticizing Peyton. What, wait a minute, you just had Russell Wilson run roughshod over last year's coaching staff, and you're going to have a 28 year old coming directly from mm-hmm. playing in the NFL to be his quarterback's coach? Relax. Do you really think that Davis Webb is going to have any real serious interaction with? Coaching mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. No, it's going to be Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi doing 
all of the Russell Wilson coaching. And guess what Davis Webb is going to be doing in the background? Taking notes. Taking notes. Learning. Right. You know, maybe a, a spare comment here and there. But if you're worried that, oh, great. First thing does, Sean Payton does is hire a quarterback coach. Another guy that Russell Wilson is going to be run over. Relax. Mm-hmm. This is going to be Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi's assignment. Not yeah. Davis Webb's. Anyway, more from... Andrew Mason's uh, evaluation of Sean Payton's new coaching staff. What drew Westhoff uh, back to uh, coaching? The longtime special teams guru. Now he's back, and Payton shared how he got him. Quote, he's fishing on the Gulf Coast of Florida. I give him a call. It's the same call I gave him a few years ago. And the response was the same from Westhoff. I wouldn't do this for everybody, but all right, when does it start? He already has, Payton already has a special teams coordinator and Ben Kotwika says that Westhoff is going to be involved in a quote number of roles. Fair to say that Westhoff is going to be the Alex Gibbs version of this staff to Sean Payton like Gibbs was to now Gibbs had a very active role of course coaching but I'm talking about being somebody that's going to be the ear in the head coach guy that the head coach is going to listen to. I think there's there there's that aspect of it. I think there's also that you know making sure not only players but younger coaches um, understand as well the importance of of your role and what's required of you. And Westhoff's a good dude, man. I like Westhoff a ton. I like him a ton. I like him. I like him added to the uh, added to the staff. I think that's big. Moving away from uh, Andrew Mason, dominating the uh, coverage at denversports.com, we move on to, well, actually, no, there's one more here. Actually, this is what Will Peterson wrote this. George Payton delivering good news on the status of Javante Williams and Tim Patrick, especially Williams, the uh, very real possibility that Javante could be ready to go by week one. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Like, I... Hey, listen, I was thinking. I was thinking it might be at least a month or two. Wait, well, when did he when did he tear his knee up? Week was four. That, it was week four. Was that early? Week four of a eighteen week season is early. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't remember it being that early. But um, was it against the Raiders? Yeah. Okay. Dirty Raiders. Filthy, dirty Raiders. Filthy. Um, Scoundrels. Yeah, so he had the majority of the whole year. I mean, he's that. That's that's a good timeline. I like that timeline. You know, there'll be you'll ease into some things and uh, got to have some balance. I think Latavius Murray is that a real timeline or is that Jamal Murray's timeline? Ooh, oh, no, that's a too there's soon. A, there's a difference between Ooh, a football timeline, football timeline, and a loaded management NBA timeline. Yes, there's a different timeline between a guy who's on a rookie contract versus one who has a fully committed $200 million-plus contract. Yeah. Great cash, homie. Complete, yeah, complete and total difference. Therein lies the difference between playing in the NBA versus the NFL. I, I, I liked what George Payton said about Tim Patrick. And George is pretty buttoned down. And, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, whereas the watching... You can go and watch Sean Payton and then George Payton's press conferences back-to-back, and the, the differences were startling. You got one guy in, in Sean Payton who's up there just kind of talking versus George who is just buttoned down. Soundbite, quick, crisp, 
Nothing to see here sound bites. But one thing George Payton said that I I, I really was drawn to was he said, when Tim Patrick went down, it sucked the life out of the whole building. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, no other player, and there were a lot of them, got hurt last year. No other player was ever referenced that way, where his injury, his departure, sucked the life out of the building. Well, he's... Not only your best receiver, he may have been your best competitor, best football player on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, that's those those guys are hard to overcome, man. When those guys go down, that's hard. It's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. Hard one to overcome, especially when you consider his journey. You know, there's a guy that nobody really wanted and he's worked himself into being a legitimate big time player. James Merrill out at denversports.com saying that uh, J.J. Reddick says what everyone needs to hear about Nikola Jokic. J.J. Reddick is becoming our hero. Right. Because he's the guy out there on the four-letter network who is actively fighting for, supporting, most importantly pushing back against some of the silly narratives that are being driven by some of ESPN's people. What the f*** are you watching? Recently going after Kendrick Perkins, who says that Jokic is stat padding his way to another MVP. Mm. And Reddick just just tearing that apart and and throwing out the, first of all, uh, I was at their game on Sunday. Yeah. I was there. I, was I there. called the game. Sure. Were you calling the game, Perk? Were you there? No, I was. I watched it with my own two eyes. I talked to the people involved, so good stuff there. Right. But... Like, Perkins says, you know, you see Jokic, and he's throwing these passes to guys, and they're taking shots and making shots. Right? Yeah, that's that's, that's called, kind of the that's idea. Called basketball. Of, it's called basketball. Perkins looks so silly. And, and here's the other thing about Jokic. You know why his assists have maybe gone up as the season's gone along? Mm-hmm. Whose games have improved as the, as the season's gone along? Yeah. Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray. Is clearly... Better. Gotten better as the yeah. season gone along. What about Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah. Just referenced this the other day. In the month of uh, February, he averaged almost 20 points per game. That's right. D-Mac, so much so that D-Mac called him a superstar and said he's going to be a Hall of Famer, I believe. Wait a minute. He said that? Yes. That he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Michael Porter Jr. Yes, and he's a super current superstar. A superstar. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> Why'd you tell me that? I can't even explain how stupid I am. Oh my god! We need some. We need. Oh we need god. an intervention on the afternoon show. Oh my god! We just need an intervention. Seriously? Yeah. Like, so he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like Josh Rosen's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like Sam Darnold's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like Baker Mayfield's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yes. Okay. Yes, I yeah. just wanted to clarify that. Right. Oh, look how stupid I am. Seriously. I, look, at, look at that vein in my forehead. I know. It's starting I know. To, and that's a giant vein. That is a big yeah, vein. Yeah, that's a big vein. That is it's a big vein. It's starting to kind of pulse a little bit yeah, right now. Exactly. <sighs> Uh-oh. Anywho. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jokic, here's, here's why Jokic is not stat padding. Because we sat here yesterday and basically nailed what his stat line was going to look like last night against Houston. Easy. Because we were able to recognize that this is a guy that's not driven by numbers. We were able to correctly predict 
that after a night against the Clippers where he went into beast mode down the stretch and scored 40, 40 points, that he would recognize yesterday's opponent, Houston, as being so bad that I don't need to do that much. Instead, I'm just going to distribute the ball, let other guys eat. Right. Everybody's going to get have a good time. And we predicted, I said he would be 6 of 9 from the field and he'd have more assists than shots taken. Well, it's close. He was 7 of 11 yeah. from the field with 10 assists. A stat pat- He finished with 14 points. A stat patter is, is somebody like a Carmelo Anthony who knows exactly what his scoring average is and will make sure he hits that his he hits average. his average. Yeah. What, did, what, did, what did I say? I, I thought he may score, uh, he may have more assists than, than points last night. It was close. It, it was, was close. 10 to 14. Yep. But, yeah, I think we I think we pretty much nailed the whole thing. Stat padding. Yeah. Come on. Well, come P- on. Perk has, the Perk, like, Perk has gone all in on, on, like many have, on the Embiid bandwagon. Makes me want to puke. That's what's going on at DenverSports.com. Check it out. Free content throughout the course of the day. You know, I heard it suggested one of our texters earlier today said, guys, why can't you see it? It's obvious. It's, it's all along racial divides. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Because I'll tell you what, if Dallas had the best record in the NBA right now in the West, mm-hmm. and Luka Doncic w- was oh, yeah. obviously having it, I, they would not hesitate. There are a lot of people. Hesitate to be banging the drum for Luka Doncic. I, I, there were a lot of people. There were a lot of people early in this season when Luka was really filling it up early that were saying, hey, MVP, MVP. So, and, and I, I'm, I'm with you. They wouldn't have any issue with that at all. It it is more of a Jokic slash Denver thing. By the way, it did strike a I did strike a nerve with a few people on the uh, on my comments about being late and being a turd. Some people did not take kindly to that. I did say, by the way, if you're habitually late, if you're that person that's always late, yes, I say occasionally. You know, there's a reason. There's an right, right, you there. got people. Fighting back at you, saying it's okay to be late? Yeah. Really? I, no, no, no. I had a guy tell me to blank you. Oh. Dropping off kids at school. Da, 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 da. I got to go to Adam County. Da, 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 da. I was like, dude, I said habitually late. Are you sensitive? <laughs> I, I have used, I have stolen your, mm-hmm. you must think your time is more valuable than my time. Yeah. Like, I'm, I was up in the mountains on Saturday, driving back Sunday morning. Right. And I'm coming down by Winter Park mm-hmm. and uh, heading back, you know, towards Berthoud Pass. I'm coming down, and this a-hole sure. cuts right in front of me. Yeah. Just to try to beat the light over by the main entrance to, mm-hmm. to Winter Park. You know, and I slammed up my horn and flipped in the bird and my first thought was okay you bleeping bleeping mm-hmm. bleeping okay go ahead clearly your and I, you've said it out loud clearly your time's more valuable than my time so right. you go right ahead right you di- and then what happened i calmed down right because old mikey might have mm-hmm. just decided to speed right up and get on this guy's bumper but i just said no yeah i'm gonna channel my inner stink Clearly, your time is more valuable than my time, mm. so you go right ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because you're a very important person. That's right. I listen. Listen, 
I'm telling you, it's just the way I operate. And whatever. I mean, I just am like, it's just the way I feel about being habitually late. And you know who you are. And if you're sensitive, it's because that's you. You're the turd. So now everybody has a day where just of nothing is going right. Of course, there are always those days. But you know the person that's, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I was like, I was like, you're, you're, get up 15 minutes earlier. Right. Don't hit the snooze button. Right. Get yourself, yeah. Plan your time. Right. Time management. Right. Plan it better. Hey, so you're there 30 minutes early. Get a cup of coffee. Say hi to the barista. Just drives me crazy. Crazy. Guys, I flew my 13-year-old son in. We went to the Nuggets Clipper game on Sunday. Ooh. And he was, my son was so impressed by Jokic that he came back talking about how he wants to become a better passer. Mm. Yeah. Hell yeah! I I, it, it is it is one of those things. When you look at Jokic and just look at the the skill set and you look at the game and the knowledge, and I always am fascinated watching him, Mike, about in tight spots, in double teams. I'm always... I'm fascinated by his footwork. I'm like, how how does he not travel? Like, he always finds a way to create a shot, to create space to get off a shot, regardless of who seems to be guarding him. And he's got, you know, the fadeaway stuff, the single hand stuff, all the stuff that he does. It just is, it's fascinating to me that within, and you talk about it all the time, within six feet, six feet of the feet. Uh, pl- I made that plural. Sure. Within six feet of the bucket. Roll with it. Yeah. That that dude can find his shot or find or create a shot. And it just is, it, it just almost automatic. It's really, it's really crazy. A couple more texts uh, arguing back, pushing back, saying, no, this is playing out over uh, racial divide. I, no, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's more about a... It, it's the it's the highlight reel nature. That's, that's exactly of Jokic's game that's lacking in in mm-hmm. a lot of people's mind. Because hey, look, this is this is a league that has celebrated uh, white players before. Uh, I, I mentioned Luca, um, Larry Bird, Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. uh, White Chocolate. Remember, yeah, you know. Sure. So it's not. I don't think it's a matter of. Just white black as much as it is, it is just, I guess, highlight value. It, it comes right. down to more highlight value. That they're that sorry that that Jokic's game just isn't uh, highlight worthy no. enough, and because of that, he shouldn't be the MVP. When you see a highlight of the Denver Nuggets and Jokic, you see a highlight package of that. It is him pulling up for a three. You know, it's it's him getting a tip back off an offensive rebound. Um, that's and it's very limited. When you see a highlight package of other NBA players, it's based on this. On John Morant, what are his highlight packages? Him coming down, juking somebody, and then just absolutely thunder hammering a dunk. Right? It's it's Giannis is the same thing. It's it's. This showcase of athleticism with Seth, it's always, 
you know, with Seth, it's always his, you know, just pulling up from seven feet away from the three-point line. See, this right right there is why... You, I still think your O'Reilly is tainted the other day because because here's the thing. Ross, no, 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 no. Because I could have said you mean Steph, and you would have gone O'Reilly. But there is a Seth Curry in the league. His brother, Seth, not Steph. So that's why. Oh, I mean, oh, I'm so mad. This is sad. <laughs> this was, it was like he's right there. I'm like. Maybe. Who knows? Let's just go fish. Let's just fish. I'm feeling kind of frisky right Let's now. Fish. And it's right, you know, right about the time where you throw the break. Yeah, and like, so, so I know you're catching got, me. Right, I know you got a couple things. And look yeah. at the clock. Yeah. 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 And I even said Seth like three times. Yes, I know. First, I'm saying, my first thought was, no, this isn't going to happen. You're not going to get me. Two, there is a Seth Curry, but he's not aware of that. <laughs> And so that's why we can't play these. We can't have nice things. God. <laughs> I love uh, you, but man, sometimes. I know. Holy yeah. smokes. You made my day. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, you know, sometimes, you know, Seth Curry comes on. <sighs> okay. Anyway. Anywho. A lot to uh, react to. Uh, you can hit us up there from uh, everything we discussed over the last hour. Love to hear from you on the Ramoslaw.com. Text line 303-713-1043. How does despicable Pete Carroll feel about Russ working with Sean Payton? You'll hear it next. When the day is done, the game is over, and you need a break from all the stress. Relax in your tub or shower from Bath Fitter. Bath Fitter will fit your budget with a price match guarantee. No money down, no payments for up to five years. Get the ball rolling. Visit bathfitter.com today. You're going to need a bigger boat. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. It's just that you're so... You're so... Big. Here's Slareth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big, 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 huge. A lot of good audio yesterday from the uh, combine, as we heard from uh, Sean Payton, George Payton. By the way, how quickly has George Payton become invisible? Yeah, well, like that... there was there was a time where you know, George Payton, GM, right? Yesterday, I. Well, I, I did my due diligence, and I, I watched and listened to his press conference, but the whole time I'm just thinking, what exactly is it you do here? Right, yeah. Well, I think we, we've grown accustomed, or we have grown accustomed over seven years that we have a dysfunctional organizational structure. And now, all of a sudden, we have a functional organizational structure with a real owner, you know, real ownership group, with an owner that is thorough and is going about business the right way, with a head coach who has been empowered and in charge, something we haven't had before, and the GM does what the GM does. Like, you rarely ever hear, if you're ever in Seattle, and I know you're not, but if you ever spend any time in Seattle, you don't hear John Schneider address the media very often. It, It just very rarely happens. So, you know... It doesn't, it, it, like, he has his role, and that's the way that goes. And so that's kind of where our organizational structure is right now. You spent a lot of time around New Orleans uh-huh. over the years. You saw, sure, yeah. you've given yeah. us all kinds of Sean Payton insight. Yeah. Well, he worked with Mickey Loomis all those years. Yeah. I know Mickey well. I, I mean, I know Mickey very well. It was, was Payton, though, always the one in charge? 
Well, yeah, they work very closely okay. together, but the face and the voice of the organization is Sean. Mickey's not out there doing a lot of talking. He's behind the scenes working. So do you see similarities between Loomis and Peyton? George. Sure. And, do you, and do you think they can work that Peyton, oh, too many Peytons here. Can Sean Peyton work with George Peyton as seamlessly as he worked with Mickey Loomis? Oh, I be- yeah, I believe so. Because I think there's going to be a very, I think this, the structure of the organization is going to be very much the same. They are going to work hand in hand. They will be in lockstep on the the thought process and the theory, but where's the thought process and the theory and where's the identity going to come from? It's not coming from, from George Payton. George is going, hey, uh, Sean, we really need to be more of a, you know, a, a 22 personnel team. We need to be more. No, Sean, what do you need? I'm, I want to be this and I need this type of tight end. I need this type of running back and I need this type of guard, right? We need to be more stout in the middle. So we're going to have to have more stout upfront guys to to overcome a five foot ten quarterback. Like those are the things that you have to understand. Who sets that agenda? It, it shouldn't your your GM shouldn't set the agenda. Your GM should go out and shop for the best potential groceries possible based upon the recipes that you give him. That's how it works. That's how it worked in. And ultimately, you have the the final say on stuff. That's how it worked with Mickey Loomis, and they worked hand in hand. Don't like they're they're very tight, they're very close. And I like Mickey is. I would consider Mickey a friend. Last time I was in New Orleans, calling a New Orleans game, man, I spent twenty minutes in Mickey's office, just kicking, yeah, kick my feet up and and shooting the breeze. Like Mickey's a great dude, but make no bones about it, the structure of this organization is correct. The the final say and the buck stops with the head coach you're the only guy in this town you're the only guy in this station that actually knows what it's like to to sit down with with sean payton so i'm gonna place some value here on what you have to say because i've heard a lot of criticism that uh hey you know is sean payton's heart into this is is he doing this for all the right reasons how engaged how invested is he really in all of this the sean payton that you heard talking yesterday Mm. Does that jive with the guy you've heard over over the years? Do you hear somebody who is as engaged, as invested, as committed, as passionate as you've heard him in the past? Or did did you hear anything different? No, and as calculated. Explain that. Well, I mean, he like there is a thought process to what he is trying to build. You know, when you start to look at, you know, a guy like Joe Lombardi who really knows his system and then the younger coaches that he is integrating into that system to bring those guys along to challenge himself, to be a mentor to those guys. You look at the defensive, uh, just the uh, guys who have been around, who've done it for a long time, who've had success on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Mac, Mike Westoff, you look at like there's there is a process here for Sean in building something. And d- don't ever forget, like, like the narrative of he went off the TV and got soft is baloney. He had fully planned on coaching the Miami Dolphins last year. There was a plan in place, and that plan fell apart. It's interesting you say the calculating nature because I I picked up on this yesterday. So he was asked naturally about Russell Wilson. Hey, where are you sure. at with Russ right now? What's going on? What yeah. are your plans? 
Here's what he said. No, we've spoken text, but this is the time of the year where these guys are away. I've talked periodically with Drew as well. Those guys, I think, live near each other in, in San Diego. And right towards the end, Drew was finally texting me like, hey, if you're going to take this job, please do it. Because he's wearing me out with the texts that were going back and forth and the conversations between he and Drew. So um, we'll have a chance to meet, I'm sure, periodically here in the next month. He, and I picked up on this during his introductory press conference. I picked up on it again yesterday. You could tell he's trying to dial back the noise on Russ. There was just a quick little vague yeah, you know, a little bit of text back and forth. But mm-hmm. as of as compared to last year, where everything was about Russ, right? Mm-hmm. Everything was Russ, 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 Russ. I, I get the sense, and I think you're going to hear continue to hear this through the preseason. Maybe it'll pick up a little bit by training camp. But I think overall, there's going to be a lot less about Russ coming from this head coach as compared to the last one. I think, and I think that's by design. Like, look. Right. Too much last year was about Russ. Let's okay. dial back the talk. Let's dial back the mm. rhetoric, and let's just go to work. Can I put a, a tease together? A tease? Yeah. Okay. Good. Because we're going to have two teases. Because I already had some plan for the next segment, but we can do both. Go ahead. Okay. So, you tease. It's a Mark Schler tease, folks. This is well, this is radio history here. Yeah. This is not going to be smooth, but I can I can I have experience with Sean doing exactly. From a calculation standpoint, doing exactly the exact same thing that he did, that he's doing with Russell Wilson in his past. The exact same game plan. And we'll talk about it. Coming up. Coming up. After these messages from Kellogg's. (laughs) (laughs) Darn. For just a second, Zach Bai was hanging on every last word going, that's how you do it. Now that is how you oh. do it. Right. No, that's, I, that, I was that, doing Zach. I would have gone. I, I will tell you exactly, exactly what happened just a short time ago, and this is not a drill. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> that. Right. This is not a drill. Two things can be true at the same time. Uh, so we'll have his tease and my tease. Why actually the whole Kendrick Perkins JJ Reddick feud? Air quotes. It's actually a good thing for the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. That's next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Okay, we got not one but two teases to pay off here. Yes. So you teased. Right. I was talking about how I I noticed yesterday uh, when asked about Russell Wilson, really a conscious and something I think we'll continue to hear from Sean Payton where he just kind of gave a you know quick little answer and then moved on. He's not looking to talk a lot about Russ, and I think that's by design. Let's dial back the Russ talk after it got out of control a year ago. Well, he is creating a, a narrative for Russ, and he did this same thing when he had Jameis Winston starting after a thirty interception, you know, thirty nine turnover year in Tampa Bay. And one of the first things, you know, asking about Jameis, um, he was effusive in his praise for, hey, Jameis, you know, is, you guys really like playing with Jameis and, and he's really worked hard and he's really studied. But then instantly switched to the narrative. You know, 
those 30 interceptions, there's a lot of dirty fingerprints on those 30 interceptions. There is a lot of things that went down that's just I'm not going to allow to happen here. My coaching staff is not going to allow that to happen here. You know, we're going to manage this quarterback. And this. And he always talks about this player, this is a good football player. He just needs to be. And instantly kind of took the focus off of the issues of the past and said, man, those aren't those aren't all Jameis's issues. And those go on Bruce Arians, and those go on, you know, on on the other people, uh, Byron Leftwich, and those go on those guys, and they have to take ownership of those things, and that's just not going to happen with me. And instantly change the narrative. And for him right now, the narrative is: I don't know what went on here in the past. I don't, you know, I'm not super familiar. I, I know, you know, the surface stuff, but I, the Jake Heap stuff, I don't know. But I, I know what's going to go on in the future, and those things aren't going to happen. And you instantly kind of change the narrative. And take that responsibility off the quarterback, and you put it back on your shoulders. And that he's he's genius doing those things. Well, and I, I've heard the argument that uh, well, okay, Russ is once again gaining his way here by by getting a coach that he said nice things about at the end of the season. Well, I heard the exact opposite yesterday. If if that was the case, then when any time he was asked about Russell Wilson, he would go on and on and be effusive, and he well he he channeled his inner Nathaniel Hackett in talking about Russell Wilson. Instead, it was just a quick little fly-by crop dust of a comment and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, move on to right. something else. Like he didn't let me. I'm he, purposely going right. to he not did, right. make this guy the the, right. the, the focus. And, and that was it. It was the Jameis Winston and the issues and the turnover issues of the past are not his responsibility. They are not fully his responsibility. And I'm not going to let you take me down that road. And I'm going to take responsibility. That will not happen under my coaching. Not going to happen, Mark. So uh, don't ask me about it anymore because it's not going to happen because I won't allow it to happen. And and that's how you create a different narrative and you take the pressure and you take the focus off of Russell and you put it back on yourself. Mm-hmm. This is my organization. I'm going to be. I'm in charge. So that's not going to happen under you know my expert tutelage. Man, I threw out a crop dust reference and nothing from you. You were locked in on paying off that tease. Yeah, I I did hear the crop dust. And you didn't you didn't even react. Yeah, because I was actually thinking of crop dusting. Not actual, you know, walking down the aisle of the airplane. You know, as you're walking up to the front. You can't see you can't do that because then you run the risk of people immediately identifying that it's you. Crop dusting only works effectively when everyone's left wondering who did that. And you get away with it. Right, but if you're walking by, you know, they're not paying attention. Then the next thing, you, and you're looking at the seatmate beside you and everything else, and you're like, and then you come back out, and you're like, what the, what smells? Like, you kind of look at somebody like, is that you? They're like, that's not me. Do you? Like, <laughs> crop dusting 101, courtesy yeah. of Mark Schlereth, everybody. Uh, now my turn. Yes. I actually... I was talking about this with Raj in the uh, hallway during the break. Uh-huh. And you can probably add more to this from the TV side of your, your experience. I think this whole Kendrick Perkins, J.J. Reddick thing, mm-hmm. especially what's coming from Perkins, is a good thing. And it's a compliment. Okay. Okay? Let me explain myself. Yeah, One, please. Because I think it's an admission by ESPN. Nikola Jokic is going to win the MVP. Correct. And there's a very good chance that Denver Nuggets are going to be in the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. We have to start cultivating 
storylines surrounding Jokic mm-hmm. and the Nuggets, and they have to be the kind of storylines that fit what we do here at ESPN, which is all about the whole point, counterpoint, roundtable, you take this side, I take this side, let's go after each other. Mm-hmm. And so you tell me, but I can easily see a scenario where the powers that be, the executive producers at, at ESPN said, look, Jokic is going to win the MVP. The Nuggets are legit. They're not going away as much as we would like them to. We need somebody to advance this idea. Perk, would you? Or Perk puts his hand up and goes, I'll do that. I kind of believe it anyway, and I can easily go with the idea that, yeah, hey, Nikola Jokic is an MVP, but it's a fraudulent MVP because he's a stat pattern. Right. And now J.J. Reddick's firing back, and, and believe it or not, this is blowing my mind. This is why I'm thinking this is a good thing all of a sudden. This has become a thing now at ESPN. Yeah. They have revisited it to the point where they had Kendrick Perkins on again this morning with Stephen A to go back to this topic right. for him to rebuttal against J.J. Redick. And here's uh, some of what they said. Let me get us outside of our comfort zone a little bit. When we talk about the MVP conversation, is it Uchiwali or is it one Mike? That's what Jay-Z said. I just want to know what song are we dancing to? Because I'm walking up into the club. I got my J's on. I didn't know it was a dress code to put on church shoes. So when I say that, Stephen A., when I come on here every single time and I ask, what is the criteria for the MVP and how the goalposts move? I'm asking these questions for a reason. And so when I, when I look at JJ and I hear him talk because he's so big in analytics and he's, he's a historian when it comes down to diving in deep and going back into history and talking about the evolution of the game, why didn't he never bring up this in particular subject? When it comes down to guys winning MVP since 1990, it's only three guys that won the MVP that wasn't top 10 in scoring. Do you know who those three guys were? Steve Nash, Jokic, and uh, Dirk Nowinski. No. <laughs> what do those guys have in common? I'll let, you sit, I'll let it sit there and marinate. You think about it. Got another one, Fever? All right, go ahead. Here we go. This is, again, this is this morning. So they've taken the little firestorm that was created yesterday, and they're continuing to get mileage out of it, which, again, I think is a good thing. Here you go. Here's some more from Perkins. Now, here's the thing when it comes down to the MVP conversation and why I say the goalposts move. It's because it was during the time in 2006 when Steve Nash won his second MVP, when he had a roster full, didn't have the best record in the league, and Kobe Bryant was averaging 31. And if you go and look at that 2006 roster that Kobe was playing with, which they finished number seven in the Western Conference, which I don't understand how he did that with that team he had. No disrespect to those players, but it is what it is. How was he not winning it? Leading the league and scoring that year. So when it comes down to moving the goalposts for certain individuals to win it, again, is it Uchiwali or is it one Mike? Like, what song are we actually dancing to right now? Why is this subject not brought up? What do those three guys have in common when they won the MVP for us? Steve Nash, Dirk Nowinski, and Jokic. That wasn't top 10 in scoring. We moved the goalpost so much. So don't come giving me, oh, they're the number one seed this year in the Western Conference, so he's averaging triple-double. That's why he should be the clear-cut favorite. 
They wasn't the number one seed last year. They was actually the number six seed. One, one seed from being in the play-in tournament. So that's my whole thing is like, why we move the goalposts for certain people and then for others, we don't. Well, uh, I guess at least in the case of Kendrick Perkins, it is about race. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, pretty, uh, pretty obvious right there. Yeah, that, it, it, part of it is disappointing to me. I understand how TV works and I don't know that, that ESPN is so overt in saying, hey, you take this side, we'll take this side. It's more nuanced than that, but it is implied. There's, they're, they're always looking for point-counterpoint. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, and one of the things that, that I've really tried to grow in as a game analyst is – for every bad that happens, there's something great that happens on the other side. And part of the ESPN kind of, I, I think you fall into this. Um, and it's partially the way you do shows, but you fall into it. Part of the the whole aspect of it is critical. Everything has got to be, this guy sucks, that guy, that this team's not doing this. this team. And calling games, my thought process is, I want to celebrate the great. There's always going to be things that are going to happen that you've got to be critical of, but it's more about the celebration than it is the critical nation or the critical aspect. Studio is all about critical. And, you know, that they're creating that, they're creating that environment um, that gets clicks. Well, while, while it's a good thing that, I think it is a good thing that, ESPN and, and the formula that they use, that they're finding a way now to make the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic a topic. A topic. Right. And that's good. That's yeah. good because that's, that's what we want here. We want to, you know. Well, they got to find something because we, LeBron's got a hurt foot right? and he may not exactly. come back. So exactly. now, I so, mean, we can't keep so, leaning on that. So it's a good thing, I guess, that they're, they're finding this and creating this and blowing it up into a big deal and having J.J. Redick and Kendrick Perkins square right. off against each other. But... Uh, that was pretty obvious what Perkins was saying. Yeah. He, now, yeah. he should be reprimanded for that. Oh, well, no, that's not going to happen. He should be, though. Yeah. I mean, that was, right. come on now. I mean, it goes both ways. It should go both ways. That's, you, you can't, I mean, that's. Right. But my, my you're point. You're saying the only reason those guys won the MVP was because what? The, we, we, need, we needed to have a white MVP yeah. pop up every once in a while? Yeah. Oof. Okay. Yeah. But the sacred, that, that sacred, you can't keep, you know, the, the L.A. Lakers, LeBron thing. You can't keep sacred, you know, keep milking that sacred bull. <laughs> That's right, sacred bull. All right, hey, look at that. Two, we paid off two teases in one segment. Yeah. Hey, anytime you want to jump Gross. in and tease, you Gross. can you can do that, man. Just, you got to tighten it up a little bit. But me and Zach will work with you. <laughs> Zach, Zach is on me. You came after my list. <laughs> Zach, I didn't condone that. <laughs> I gave him a stern look when he uh, did that. But you Zach know, it's stink. I can't. I can't Zach, control him. Zach knows I, love I can't him. control him. Players Club coming up next.
When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit bathfitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits. 